Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. Have you heard that the inaugural Landscape Photography World Awards is now open for entries? Early bird entry is available now at a discounted fee until September 30, 2022. Head to landscapephotographyworldawards.com to find out all the details and how to enter. There's some amazing prizes to be won and I'll be publishing a book and a calendar with the top images at the end of the competition, so there's plenty to look forward to. Entries close on November 30, 2022, so there's plenty of time to get your entry sorted, but if you want to get into the early birds, do it now. I'd also like to thank the judges who have agreed to work with me and be a big part of the awards. Deb Clark, Victoria Hark, Kieran Stone and William Patino. I certainly couldn't make this competition a reality without their support. This time I'm talking to Neil Joes about his amazing landscape photography journey. From creating masterpieces in the kitchen to enjoying the feeling of fighting in 14th century armour, Neil is an animal-loving, tattooed, easy-going kind of bloke. What started with taking photos of buildings with an iPhone has turned into Sunday morning sunrises, Wednesday afternoon sunsets with many other creations in between. We're all told to look outside the box to be creative, but with Neil's photography, it's what he fits in that box that tells the story. We delve into how he forgot how much he loved photography as a child, his penchant for medieval reenactment, along with what drives his photographic passions. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Neil. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, wonderfully well, wonderfully well. Thanks for taking the time out to talk to me today. Why don't we start with who you are and uh, how you got started in photography? So obviously I'm Neil. I am a chef for most of my life. I've done many things and I found photography through a trip to Sydney back in 2017, um, walking around with an iPhone, taking photos of churches. And a friend of mine said, you know, you're enjoying this. You don't look like you're half bad at it. Why don't you look at getting a camera? Yeah, and that's cool. pretty much how that all kicked off. Very good. So what is it about landscape photography that uh, gets you going? What, what motivates you creatively, I guess? Um, creatively is a tough one um, because we all see things differently. Um, landscape photography for me has become probably not meditation is not the right word, but it's really good for just balancing my brain, um, sure. finding places that I can just be lost in what's in front of me instead of the phone, the hustle and bustle of life. It's just, uh, it's a really cool way of just turning the world off and enjoying what's in front of me. Um, I, I guess I'm interested in that sense of calm or sense of well-being or whatever you want to call it that yep. comes from that. Where do you think that actually stems from? What, what is it that, you know, makes that come about in, in your mind? I think a lot of it has come from my life as an adult just being crazy, um, always working incredibly long hours um, in kitchens. I worked as a salesman for a long time. So I never really had uh, an outlet that I could just stop and smell the roses. Um, and I think my, my first sunrise that I ever did, 
I sat on uh, at up at Shorncliffe, up at the water's edge. And I, th- I think I was there for nearly 40 minutes before I took a photo because it was just sitting there and I never had stopped to just listen to the water hit the rocks. And it was just yeah. incoming, outgoing, incoming. And I was just like, just sitting there and it was just really nice. And that that kind of really opened my eyes to what photography could do just to help keep my my brain in check. Yeah, I understand. I get it. Um, I guess looking at uh, your portfolio, you know, scroll through your, your feed there in Instagram, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of water involved and, you know, seascapes, but also uh, sort of cityscapes with the water and that sort of thing. Is that something that's really sort of important to you? And if so, why? Um, That's really weird because uh, it's it's a weird thing that I've noticed in my photos because uh, I'm I'm a ginger and I generally hide from the sun at all costs because (laughs) I'm fire. Um, But I think a lot of it started with... I live close to Shorncliffe Pier, uh, Woody Point, Brighton, which are yep. very water-based uh, landscape areas. And it just became a thing where just listening to the water, it became uh, therapeutic in a sense. And when I started transitioning into doing a lot more city stuff, there's just so much life on the river, especially in Brisbane. There, There's a lot of boat activity. Um, and it just became something that I found if I didn't have the river in my shots, I wasn't happy with it. So every time I was planning a city shoot, I was planning opposite side of the river. What can I see? What can I think? How can I make the river a part of the photo? Yeah, right. Is that something that has been part of your upbringing or is it just something that you, you're you looking at from an artistic perspective? It's just something that you, you know, you get your nice reflections and so forth and therefore you think, okay, well, I've got to include that, of course. Yeah, look, I'm a sucker for reflections. Um, Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know. It became an obsession and then I kind of banned myself from doing reflection things for a while. But the upbringing is an odd one and that is a conversation that could take us on a 10-hour tangent but i had um a significant I've got time trauma. if you have <laughs> i had significant head trauma when i was a teenager okay and, wow and uh, I, cr- I crashed a push bike uh, landed on my head fractured my c3 completely knocked myself out um and it deleted most of my growing up um oh. and i through photography and I, I'm not someone that's close with my family, but my mum reached out recently and said, it's so great that you're doing photography because you loved it as a child. Wow. And, and I was just like, Oh, I had no idea. And she's like, no, everywhere we went, you, you had a little point and shoot um, film camera and you're just taking photos. You just love doing it. And where I grew up in Frankston was near the water. We moved yep. to Bundaberg, which is nowhere near water. Uh, well, it kind of is. <laughs> Uh, but then when I was where I was working as an apprentice was near the water and on my split shifts, I would sit at the beach. Right. So, you know, in a roundabout weird way, it potentially could come back to just those little afternoons of just being near the water. But I just love what water can create in an image. Um, in calm conditions, it can show you mirror-like reflections, but my seascape stuff, I do prefer a little bit of energy 
and I'm I've recently I'm learning as a, every time I go out, but I, I enjoy trying to capture that energy when mm-hmm. when it's choppy. I don't want to do a long exposure. I'm happy with just a short half a second because it shows you the veracity of what you were just looking at. Yep, yep, understand. When you go into the field, are you doing a lot of planning before you get out there or do you do a lot of spur of the moment stuff that decide to head out and take shots basically on a whim? If it's waterfalls and that kind of stuff, I'm happy just to wing it because um, like if depending on where you're going, the weather can change every 100 metres that you're walking. Um, and But I'll, I'll do a little bit of research into what the waterfall is, what it shows. Is there a particular place that I might be able to cross and get a slightly different perspective? Um, sunrise and sunset, I definitely do a lot of planning. Um, I spend far too much time in photo pills. Uh, <laughs> watching where the sun's going to be rising, what his angle is, because if I'm shooting piers and jetties, I do want to try and get that sunburst. Um, and I do like to try and have the sun lining up with with something, not just popping up on the horizon. Uh, so I do spend a lot of time with that. But sometimes I find the more I plan, the less I enjoy the experience when I'm out. Um, so sometimes it's just more of a quickly check the weather wraps, is it going to be terrible weather? Yes or no? Cool. I'm just going to go and see what I've got in front of me, have a walk around and see kind of what catches my eye. Mm. Why why do you think it is that you uh, get less pleasure out of it if you've done a lot more planning? Um, I really wish I had uh, an educated or somewhat intellectual response, but I just think, the way my brain is wired, I've spent my whole life following instructions. Uh-huh. And I think when I set myself too many instructions, it just takes away that little bit of passion. It's yeah. more of a, I've got to turn up and I need to make sure I'm there for A, B, C, and D, and then E will happen. Um, and sometimes it works out and you're like, oh, sweet. I did a good thing here. Um, yeah. But I, if I get distracted by chatting to people because I'm known to have a chat, um and then that might throw out the plan and then i've lost what i've got there for and then i just kind of leave deflated instead of leaving like i've achieved what i set out to do yeah right so do you think that's more sort of setting a a potentially unrealistic expectation that you know this this is what i'm expecting and this is this versus this is what i end up getting and therefore you kind of go well you know that wasn't what i went there for is that is that sort of what i'm hearing yeah yeah, 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 that sounds about right. Okay, interesting. So I guess how how have you attacked trying to avoid that? Is it just doing more unplanned shooting? Um, it's doing less planned shooting. Um, right. I, I'm I'm a lover of overcast. Uh, I love I love a grey and angry sky. Um, I don't mind if the ocean or where I'm going is a little bit unhappy as well. So I think I spend more time looking at the weather now and and making my decision on what I want to do by the weather and less about, unless it's Milky Way, because Milky Way does require you need to be at a location by a set time. Otherwise you've completely stuffed it up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so like I was down at Shawncliffe on the weekend and I haven't done many sunrises this year just due to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I checked the weather. It said the weather was going to be terrible with a chance of rain. Sweet. I mean, and I just turned up. Yep. Uh, and I actually, I come away with a handful of photos that I love and they're not photos that I probably would have taken if I spent the time working out what was going on and where the sun was going to be at a particular time. Um, it was raining when I turned up. So I just kind of sat undercover. Once the rain settled, there was a bit of fog. Oh, sweet. Quickly pull the gear out, have a go. Um, notice the fog was moving. I'm not someone that likes to, I know the terms comp stomping. I don't like shooting down the center of, of the piers because it's a shot that you see that's been done 1600 million times. Yeah, yeah. But there was some really cool fisherman activity with a little bit of the fog and, uh, and uh, a lot of cloud activity. So I was like, this is actually a cool shot. And I got some really cool um, shadowing from these fishermen who were fishing but clearly had the shits with what they were doing. So they were moving left to right, left to right, left to right. So I've got lots of ghosting from them. And like in camera, I was probably one of the first times I looked at a shot from Sean Glyph and I was like, I really like that. And I don't need to do much to it, Uh, which which was cool. So are you you like most uh, landscape photographers and hate hate people being in the shot or you, you don't care so much about that? It depends on the shot. Yeah, fair uh, enough. I, I like with my. I'm opinion. the same. <laughs> yeah, with well, you know, when you do long exposures, sometimes you can, you know, people will always be like, "Oh, I don't want to be in your shot, mate. Just keep moving, like yeah. just keep moving, and yeah, don't be- stop." <laughs> yeah. Um, but sometimes a little bit of life adds something, uh, especially yeah, when yeah. it's something like a jetty. Um, even down to if I'm shooting in the city and there's tons of scooters and there's people walking by on their phones. I will plan, I'll I'll be always watching, cool, I've got a group of people walking through on their phones. And it just adds a really unique touch that you can't replicate. Yeah, 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 nice. So looking at your portfolio, are you looking to uh, create something that's unique or specific, you know, and, and specific to you, or are you just... Uh, trying to be, I guess, recognisable uh, within a genre? Um, that's a tough one because up until I found my love for cityscapes, I definitely was always a sunrise guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really loved my oranges and peaches and pinks in my processing. And the more I fell into doing nights, that like night city stuff, um, my love for blues came about and yep. I, I meet people around the place and I find more people will point out my city stuff before they'll point out my sunrise stuff. And I think because the city stuff has more of an opportunity to be unique where when you shoot at Shawncliffe or the local spots around here, everyone's got very similar photos. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I, I'm weird in the sense I love taking photos. Um, I hate. I don't think that's weird. <laughs> yeah, but I hate that particular social media is try and shoehorn people into. Oh yeah, yeah. Need to be only posting this so that people will, you know, those followers will love that particular style. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean, and yeah, you know, to be honest, I've 
I've experienced it quite recently with uh, the, the Instagram feed in particular that uh, some of the shots from a recent trip to the UK certainly haven't got anywhere near the traction that my seascape stuff, particularly the local seascape stuff does. And, you know, I do, I do a local seascape and I notice the engagement goes up and I do something from the UK and I notice the engagement goes down. And to be honest, it's, it's disappointing that that happens. I can't, you know, I've got to be honest and say that, but to be honest, uh, also I kind of go, well, I don't care because this is the shot that I took. It's one that I really like. It's got a memory for me and, you know, I'm trying to share it with you. If you, if you like it, great. If you don't, well, so what? I'm on that train. Like it, um, I, I, I used to only have one page and I would just share, a mixture of everything that I, that I love taking photos of. And mm -hmm. I started doing a lot more animal photography because I, I love photographing birds and animals. People would be dropping off. You get random messages of, of why are you posting this? Like I follow you for your long exposures and your seascapes. <laughs> like, mate, I, I love doing it. Um, yeah, this is I, me. I, yeah. You're getting like, me. <laughs> I do powerlifting photography um, nearly every other weekend lately. Um, and pe people who love landscape photography don't love lifting photos. No. Uh, they, don't, they don't love it. So I set up um, two other pages so I could just kind of isolate lifting people, see lifting things, animal people, see animal things. And then I'm left with the mixed basket of I love drag racing. Like I'm a petrol head. I, I love, yeah. but I, I've recently, I'm trying to learn how to pan properly. and. Yeah, yeah. Know, choosing something that does 300 kilometers an hour isn't the smartest target. Um, it's, especially it's, when I'm probably better off starting somewhere with like a taxi or, you know, oh, yeah, but like on a motor scooter. I've, I've never been someone that just goes, that's the easy option. I always take the, this is what I want to do. So I'm just going to do it. And if I fail, then I can learn. And as I learn, I'll just get better. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, with with your landscapes in particular, well, leave, leave your birds yeah. and your yeah, yeah, yeah leave um, that side. Your, your cars and your lifting and all that sort of thing <laughs> over to one side. With with your landscapes, um, what is what is it that you are trying to communicate uh, and get across to people that might see it? Um, that's a good question. Um, a lot of the times. As I mentioned earlier, we, we all see everything a little bit differently. We all shoot them a little bit differently. Sure. Um, I love getting to show people who don't get to see what we have at our back door, um, getting to go to the sunrise um, out in the Darling Downs. Like it's not something that a, a city slicker is going to have the opportunity to see. Um, I get caught up in the moment far too often um yeah. when i'm when i am out at an impromptu shoot um because i will sit there and just be like man this is such a beautiful scene and then uh, instead of looking around chasing a photo i'm enjoying the moment and that's a tough thing because i want people to see what i'm seeing but i also i want to see what i'm seeing yeah right right if that makes sense yeah absolutely so in terms of how your style has developed, uh, where do you see, you know, sort of where, where, where do you see it has come from and where do you see it going? Um, a, a lot of my 
a lot of my style came from following different people through social media, um, getting to see how, I won't call them professionals, but people with much more time and experience, how they're shooting things, how they're seeing things. I did get stuck in the YouTube tutorials for many, many, many hours of, you, you know, compositional techniques and um, trying to follow the rule of thirds and doing all of that stuff. Um, but I kind of, once I realized sometimes that just doesn't matter. Yep. Um, sometimes it's just more about taking the photo the way you see it. And I think once I started doing that, uh, I noticed a changing in the way my photos looked. Um, looking at things in a matter of, I don't care about the rules. I just, I want to uh, communicate what it looks to me and how it feels to me. See, like, where do I see my style? It all depends on the weather. Getting, having the opportunity to get out to start with, because uh, I've had very limited, limited time lately. But just if I have the time, I'm choosing my location smarter. I'm not oh, just turning up to a location and hoping for the best. Yeah, uh, there, yeah. There's a reason that I want to be there. There's something that I'm trying to capture. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I love moody, angry skies. And I know that social media, especially Instagram, or for me, they don't do generally that well. Um, yeah. Your pinks and purple skies with wonderful high clouds. Everyone loves them. I generally don't get to see them. So uh, I'm uh, unfortunately, I deal with what I get. Um, but but I love mood. I love I love my greys and blues. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think there's definitely a place for that. But I, I know exactly what you mean. You know, if you if you put up a nice pink sky with uh, you know a, a, a nice bit of flow, you know that that flow and glow shot always you know garners a, a lot more attention than uh, you know a, a peaceful you know. Uh, hillside with some very interesting light, you know, playing across it. You know, <laughs> absolutely. For me, for me, sometimes the the latter is more, you know, satisfying to shoot than than the other. Yep. Sim and simply like, because it's something that I, I I don't do a lot of. Yeah, and like some of the stuff that you get down in Sydney, like the golds and the oranges that you get to photograph in the harbour. Like I'm envious every time I see them because I'm like, man, that's some stunning color. And then I'll go out and I just get, like, I'll get a drab sky, yeah. but there, there's still something beautiful in it. You just need to, uh, for me, it just means you need to look at it slightly differently. Those those, uh, those colors have been fairly few and far between recently. <laughs> but <laughs> we've been getting getting plenty of drab skies, but um, I mean it, it's interesting. I mean you you see you, you see a fair few of them, but I, I've got to say you know they are few and far between those days. They're not they're, they're not an everyday occurrence. But you know if they were an everyday occurrence, then everybody would be shooting them every day. You know. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, they they would be they would be boring, and the the dark moody ones would be the interesting ones because they they're harder to get. Yep, and they're harder to process too. I think. Getting, oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Getting contrast right in a moody shot is uh, it's a lot trickier. Yeah, yeah. You want to you you've got to pay a lot of attention to how the shadows and uh, highlights work, and you know how that blends across the midtones. It's. Uh, yep. It, 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 totally different processing 
I mean, my workflow is similar and I, I don't know about yours, but so I have similar steps, but when it comes to the contrasts, uh, the, the, the work that goes into the moody shots is, is way different to, uh, to, to the sort of nice sunny skies or the, the, the nice pink sunrises. Oh, definitely. I find that I use a lot more brush. There's a lot yeah. more brushes involved in a moody sky and sometimes I get over just brushing and brushing and brushing but <laughs> i work with a very um very soft brush yeah and, and i will probably sometimes i can spend half an hour just brushing clouds oh wow. um, yeah do, you know you you'll do some you're like oh, crap and I, look i'm a lazy i, I, I get bored way before half an hour <laughs> <laughs> look it, it keeps my attention um i have an attention span of a squirrel sometimes uh so if i've got a moody sky it, uh, and it just has me focused on an area and, yeah. and I, I really enjoy it. Nice. <laughs> so how do you, how do you balance your, your work and your photography, you know, working as a, a chef, the hospitality industry is not known for its uh, friendly hours. How do you, how do you, you know, get that work photography balance? Uh, lately I haven't um, to, to be perfectly honest. Um life's been a little bit upside down so photography's kind of been on the back burner for a minute um we my wife and i were indirectly affected by the floods that happened a few months ago uh -huh. um, so we had to batten down the hatches and throw some more work on the cards um and that you know that's just being sometimes i'm, I'm a responsible adult <laughs> um but well, we all can be when we need to be yeah um but uh, mine like i'd love to be getting out doing more milky way stuff but we've just had terrible weather lately um and the guys that i go out shooting milky way with they're drop of the hat guys and yeah, right. unfortunately my life hasn't enabled me drop of the hat photography um but i i do try and i do try to plan to get out at least once a week sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't um i if i could get out every day i'd be stoked um, but it's just not a realistic thing at the moment. But hopefully life settles down soon and I can get back to doing, you know, at least one or two sunsets a week and at least get into the city maybe twice a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I even like doing some city sunsets. They're a little bit harder to get because Brisbane is not super for sunset unless you're someone that does uh, a lot of uh, bracketing, which... I don't because I'm yeah, lazy. Fair enough. Talk to me a bit about your your process. I guess from you know when you get on on site, you are you hunting around for different compositions, or are you one that sort of kind of has an idea about where you want to go? You you line things up and off you go, or uh, you know, is it is it in other words, is it more planned, or is it is it, is it something that you react to on in the moment? Um, if I'm going to my local hangouts for sunrise uh, there's usually a plan of some degree um, but I do like to I use my mobile phone um, kind of check what a composition might look like yep. uh, if I can get a similar thing uh, for my C, my C staff and my peers I like to shoot really low and close to the water cool. um, so that usually involves me falling over once or twice a shoot um because i don't wear appropriate footwear um and i'm 
not the most agile man that's ever lived. <laughs> People have seen me eat eat, uh, eat it quite a few times. Um, but I, I, I might even walk up with a plan and the the weather conditions will show me something different um yeah. and, I'll, and i'll just scrap my plan and I, I generally try to do three different compositions of wherever i go um and once i'm happy with some of the stuff that i've got i might just switch to a telephoto lens and just walk around and just get something different that i might not normally get yeah. So where you live obviously influences a lot about how you shoot or what you shoot. That combination of lifestyle and, and location, I always find an interesting thing to delve into and why why people have developed their, their shooting style and so forth in relation to the environment that they uh you know that they shoot in a lot. Um do you travel a lot though to to get to other locations? Um, I'm, I'm always happy to go for a quick belt up to the Sunshine Coast or down to the Gold Coast. Um, I've gone to Fingal Heads quite a bit recently. Mm -hmm. Like it's only an hour and a half drive. So I don't mind a short drive if I can fit it in. Um, I was in Sydney recently um, for a medieval tournament and I had plans of stopping along the way, Crescent Heads, some places that I was hanging to see, but I got evacuated because of the flood. Yeah. Um, so I just chose the safe option and drove home. Yeah. Uh, was absolutely gutted by. Um, but this year I had a bucket list of I definitely want to get to Bermagui. I definitely want to get to Dragon Rock, and, and Crescent Heads is uh, for some reason New South Wales is the place that I really want to go. Mm, okay. Um, uh, there's just I love the rocks, and they're you can take a step and have a completely different composition yeah, and yeah. the things that i've seen on online uh, different photographers that i follow everyone can shoot this one location but or they always come away with something different um, yeah. and that's what i love about those particular places i yeah. was meant to go to tasmania um which was going to be amazing and i was super excited for it but queensland had a COVID lockdown uh, and all of our borders got got closed, so my holiday got terminated. But I'll, I'll get back there eventually. I'll probably, not knowing Tasmania, and it looks like all you see is the icon places. Um, the, the Like I'd love to go to, actually I'm looking at a picture of Denny's, um, the Bay of Fires down at Binalong. Like yeah. it looks like an amazing place. Yep. But it's just one of those things that, I always strive to do something different to what everyone else has done. And it's very hard on some places that have been photographed to death. Um, but there, there's so many spots around, you know, within a four hour drive, whether I head west and go do country stuff, like there's just so many amazing places around that I'd be happy to drive to if I had the time. Yeah, yeah. T totally agree. It's And that, <laughs> that's the thing. There's always... Always way more places than the, than you have time to get to. <laughs> Absolutely. I need a clone. I keep telling someone to make me a clone and I can send the clone to work and I can just run around and take take photos and <laughs> live life. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm the, the clone to go and do the boring jobs and uh, I'll, I'll go and take photos. Thanks, Frank. That's <laughs> a, it's a win. I'm, I'm down for that. What locations are still on your bucket list? What's what's your number one go-to if you, if you had the opportunity anywhere in the world? It, oh, anyway, 
I kind of, oh, well, I've never traveled. Like I've never been overseas. So it's hard. There's so many beautiful places you see photos of around the world. Uh, I would love to just go to New Zealand and, yeah. and like, that's not a single location, but it is just everything I've seen from New Zealand is amazing. Um, it come, so, comes up a lot. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to live in middle earth? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but for me lately, my, I would love to just explore our backyard more. Um, a cradle mountain down in Tasmania. If someone yeah. gave me a, a, you know, a local plane ticket and said, you can go and spend a week here, but only here, cradle mountain would be my place. Like the, the landscape, the, the reflections, the weather, and then getting into doing some more nature stuff. But like, I think I could spend a week at cradle mountain and not get bored. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it, it depends also on where you go around Cradle Mountain because there's uh, quite a lot of trails. I mean, you can you can climb up to the, the summit if you want, but there, there's trails around the back there which give you a totally different view of the thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's as you say, you could, could easily spend a, a couple of weeks, I reckon, there without getting bored at all. It's, yep. uh, yeah, oh, I mean, there's there's a lot of places like that though. I I, I get where you're coming from. Oh, it's like we we're, we're so fortunate to live in such a beautiful country that every every state almost has something unique that it can show. Um, Broken Hill, it'd be amazing to go to Broken Hill, um, just to do some desert stuff. Um, yeah. Like, if you, I think if you're a, a landscape photographer that loves everything that's in front of them. There's nowhere you wouldn't want to travel in Australia, but I like I understand some seascape photographers would never want to go inland because yeah, true, yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm not one of them. I'm I'm all for it. I, I, oh yeah, as like far as I'm concerned, the more variation, the better. Oh yeah, yep. When when I get my clone and you get yours, we'll get an RV and go for a travel. Sounds, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Sounds very good. If you could retire at one of the places you've shot, which one would it be? A place that that I have shot, yeah, Charleville. Okay, um, I got to go out there for a Milky Way experience with Sony last year, and we we're only there for two nights and three days, and I've never seen a sky like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was amazing, and everyone that we spoke to while we we're out there was just like, "Oh no." Like you need to go another two hours inland or you need to go two hours. Yeah, where it's really dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like it, it it wouldn't be, I don't know how amazing it would be live compared to living in Brisbane, but it's only a, not so much a short drive, but you can access so much out there. You're missing the sea. I think I could get over that. But the, there's so many amazing things that you could explore out there and every day would present something different for you yeah totally agree yeah i remember a, a, a trip i did um i ended up ended up parking beside the road to ostensibly get some sleep but didn't get a lot of sleep because i ended up shooting astro instead about <laughs> uh about four hours south of charters towers and uh i think um it was still another two or three hours before the next town uh, yep. on this this strip of road and we just pulled up at this uh this um uh lay by to uh 
to as I say get get some rest and get some sleep. But I ended up spending the next three and a half hours taking shots of the Milky Way. <laughs> yep, and like my, my because the sky was so amazing. You know? Oh. When we got off the bus, I was firstly busting for the toilet. So I was just like, point me to the direction of the toilets, please. Um, and the we stayed at a caravan park and the host was, he he was amazing because he loved Charleville. And he was just like, mate, go over there. There's a tree. I was like, yeah. sweet, I'm in. And I ran into the middle of nowhere in this car park, no idea where I was. And I forgot why I was there um, because you could see I've never seen so many stars in the sky. Yeah, um, that's phenomenal. And I'm I'm still learning about the Milky Way. I'm still learning about astrophotography. But you could have pointed a smartphone in the up in the air, and you would have had a photo that you would be proud to show someone. Yeah, um, yeah. it was absolutely incredible. And I was like, oh, hang on, I'm here for a reason. I go quickly run back to the bus and get the real gear so we can go out and take the real photos. <laughs> <laughs> definitely now i'm going to ask you about something that's not entirely photography related i've seen it seen a few of your shots about it but you mentioned oh. your medieval tournament that you came down here for oh. talk to me a bit about that um so i found my uh so the sport's called hmb it stands for historical medieval battles um and i found it through photography um, i was at the abbey medieval festival because uh, I'm a lover of nerdy things. Um, I heard someone over the microphone say, this is real fighting, it's real armour, they're real weapons. You know, these guys are not pulling punches. Come and have a look. You could and get that hurt. Was, yeah, that was, that was all I needed to hear. Um, and I had I was shooting on my Nikons at that stage. I had my Nikon in one hand, my smartphone in the other, sending my wife videos, just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Where has this been my entire life? I need to do this. <laughs> And uh, the guys came out of uh, what's called the list. And I was like, man, how cool is this? And they're like, you're a big dude. You should come down. And I started training the next week. <laughs> um, it is like photography in the sense of it is not an expensive hobby. Um, unless, you're, unless you're incredibly good and you do it young, you're not going to make any money from it. Um, but my armor is all handmade from the Ukraine. My weapons are handmade from the Ukraine and there's no other sport in the world that you get to hit someone in the head with a weapon and, um, and have them return suit. Uh, it, it's a, it's a wonderful sport. Uh, I've got, it, it's such a similar community to photography. Uh, the people who are in it are in it because they love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no one's half in the door, half out the door. They, they all love it. And, and I photograph a lot of it. If I'm not fighting, I'm generally photographing it. Um, I am someone who hates my photo being taken. Flat out, I don't like it. And I never thought I'd enjoy actually photographing people. And the more that I've done my sports photography, the more I've kind of felt okay with being photographed. But mm. That the the fighting side of things is incredible. We were down. I was down for Winterfest. Um, I can't think of the the area in Sydney that we were, but it's just rad. It's such a cool sport. Like we're lined up for coffee the morning that I'm fighting, and a guy that works in the media is like, "Oh, the last time that these guys fought, a guy was airlifted out with a fractured skull." Yeah, I'm nice. like, "Dick! Like this is cool. That's what I'm here for." <laughs> um, well, not so much the fractured skull, but I was yeah. there. 
I was there to have fun. Um, I'm not the youngest guy. I'm not the fittest guy, but damn, I had fun. Um, and it's such a rad thing. It's a it's a sport that could take you around the world if you had the money to do it. Yeah, fair enough. I suppose it gets you. Uh, it gets rid of a lot of frustration. Absolutely. People complaining over the measliest things. You just keep that one in the bank. Yeah. Uh, and then when you get punched, I'll use that. <laughs> you just get it out. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So back back to photography and landscape photography. What are you? What have you learnt about the world through photography? Um, I've learnt that the world is a much more beautiful place than I once thought it was. Um, from oh. someone who didn't get a chance to see much of it due to working tirelessly, um, it's there's so much more to to see and there's so much more on offer than I once thought there was. Yeah, right. Uh, the, every time I go out to, to do anything, it's just uh, there, there is a moment of just like, man, this is really cool. Um, getting to see the things we see, um, being able to photograph it. Like you, you probably have this with some of your shots that you'll take a photo, someone will be walking by. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, what, what are you doing? Um, I get it all the time when I'm shooting reverse sunsets. Oh, yeah. why, why are you pointing this way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason. And, uh, and and then you show them and to have someone just be like, oh, wow, I didn't realise that that was possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th those those little moments, uh, things that I didn't realise I needed in my life. Um, and they definitely, you just kind of like, oh, that's really cool. Like you've, you've helped show someone something that they never thought was possible. Yeah, nice. That's that's really really wonderful. What's your most notable experience in uh, photography? My my most amazing experience has to be going to Charleville. It's not my most favorite photo. One of my my favorite photos is a sunrise from Shorncliffe in winter, and I just got my first uh, ten stop. Nice. And that that was when I was just addicted to four minute, five minute exposures. Like just set it, forget it, uh, go get a coffee, come back, turn off the shutter, you beauty. But nothing has stopped me in my tracks, like the the sky, the Milky Way that we saw in Charleville. Yeah. Um, I definitely was running around like a small child that's had far too much sugar. Um, <laughs> because we didn't get to scout the area the day we arrived, so we kind of just got to point in a direction I was running around with photo pills trying to find where the Milky Way was to line up a shot of things we had no idea was there. So day two, we got to see there's these old old Holden trucks that are sitting there. There's old oh, yeah. that's rusting away. And it's like, cool, so we need to be back here by 8 o'clock so we can get the the core just above it. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I mentioned, sometimes I get carried away chatting, um, which is a weird thing because photography bought – personality out of me um i was someone that was happy to never talk to someone um okay. leave, me alone, leave me alone let me in my corner i'm all good don't come near me yep. and the more people i meet the more outings i go to sometimes i get a little bit of creative block if i'm in a group with too many people but generally um i'll find someone and they'll ask a question and then you just find yourself talking 
Um, and that, and that's probably one of the coolest things that I've found with photography is being able to connect with people. Um, I'm not a pro or an expert on anything that I do, but it's really cool to have someone come up and say, I've seen a photo that you've taken. Can you help me take a photo similar? Nice. Um, and, and that I had that at Charleville. And um, I don't need to go into the specifics, but someone was set up with some very interesting settings for Milky Way. Um, okay. <laughs> we, we helped them out. And um, to, to see them take a photo, look at the back of the camera and be, man, that's really cool. I didn't think I could take that photo. Yeah. And, and, and that's a notable experience, like being able to take my own photo and be like, damn, that's cool. I'm going to keep that one. And the person beside you be, oh, wow, I've never taken a photo like this. Thank you for helping. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. So what's your least notable experience or your uh, your, your, your worst <laughs> horror story from your uh, So I killed a, uh, a Sony A7R3. Uh, at <laughs> right dead, never to recover? Yeah, killed it, killed it proper. Um, I had a tripod that had been giving me some problems and I had every intention of replacing it, but, you know, next shoot, next paycheck, I'll yep. do it. I'll do it then. And um, I had some really awesome conditions at Brighton and my kind of awesome conditions. There's lots of mid cloud. There's an angry high cloud and this big bank of low cloud just coming through and squashing everything in its path. And I just had this burst of orange through the middle. And I'm like, one more shot. I just changed composition a little bit, try and bring some foreground in, one more shot. And I uh, set the shutter. I was in water mid-thigh, and yeah. I'm six foot two. So pretty decent amount of water. Yeah, yeah. Um, hit the shutter, do my standard uh oc or adhd can't keep focus on a thing turn around oh look there's birds oh look there's traffic oh there was that a harley on the bridge have a look and then um the leg that had been giving me issues decided to let go the lock released and uh in went the camera ouch uh, i got it out as fast as i could but that was a day i learned that salt water is the destroyer of all things absolutely and what about the card did you at least recover that I did. I did recover the card. Um, and then I had to come home and um, put my tail between my legs and say to the wife, you know how hey, you're telling me to replace the tripod? Uh, can you take this? I need to replace the camera. And uh, the can you take the camera in just to see if it can be repaired? Because it may have killed it. And she uh, was less than pleased with me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. she's been the biggest supporter of everything that I do from my fighting to my photography. And um she did. She took it down to Anderson's camera repair and they gave us the five and a half thousand dollar bill Ooh. to repair it. And uh, we're just oh, like, a new one, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I don't think I've shot in that deep water ever since. Um, it, it freaks me out. I've been out into that bay up to my waist um and having people yelling at me from the sides just like you know there's stingrays out there and there's sharks i'm like yeah i'm good like if something nibbles me then i'm in trouble but i'm okay at the moment but 
It's definitely kept me out of the, that, that deeper water. And I definitely pay more attention to what's going on. There's no more la la la. So what's that pretty sound over there? I'm just kind of like, watch the camera, Neil, watch the camera, Neil. Don't, don't take your eyes off it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what, how did you learn photography and processing? Lots of trial and error. As I mentioned earlier, I got stuck in the YouTube, learn how to take photos, landscape compositional tips, blah, blah, blah. But I just found the more I was out, the more I kind of found things that I enjoyed taking photos of. Uh, Processing-wise, it's been an interesting one because, like most, I fell into the presets not so much trap, but I fell into the presets world yeah. where um, I had bought the Peter McKinnon presets because I'd seen what they'd done to his amazing photos of the Canadian Rockies. And when you apply them to a photo of the Glasshouse Mountains, it doesn't really give you that same amount of like... Not, not quite the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, we were all naive once. <laughs> um, so... I went through a stage of getting sucked into Instagram, seeing lots of saturation, uh, lots of pinks, lots of saturation. And I do know I went through that stage of, well, this is obviously what what people want to see. I would take an average photo, edit it poorly. And, but I would be so proud of it. Like you would just show, you show your mum like, Oh, look at this photo. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd just be like, but I don't understand. Right. And I guess editing has been a weird one for me. I've gone through day, days where I love my style and then the other days where I go, man, what am I doing here? And I, I need to stop and I need to learn again. Yeah. Um, yeah. In today's editing, I... I use a lot more Photoshop than I used to, but I don't use yep. Photoshop. What oh, I have a plugin that I use in Photoshop, uh, the Astro panel. Okay. Um, it's got a landscape section as well as um, as well as Astro, but I use it more for my color correction and dodge and burn. Yeah, right. That's probably the two things that I've learned over the last year. That if I had have known years ago, I'd probably be a lot further along down the road mm. um, but I've, I've loved my dodge and burn and for me i for, well, for me now i always keep a reference photo yeah right what it looked like to me on that day yeah um, because i do shoot with custom white balances because i try and shoot it in camera as close as what i would like it to be um I don't focus stack. I don't exposure blend. Um, and it's not because I don't like those, uh, those final products. I just, I'm just a simple man. Um, I'm, I, I quite like if something's a little bit soft, but that's okay because that's how I saw it. Sure. Uh, in when I'm at a pier, not everything is tack sharp from, from my nose to the horizon. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. There are days where I do sit down and go, like, I I probably get better results if I did these things. Yeah, yeah. But because I have a brain that overthinks a lot of things, 
it's just easy for me to keep things nice and simple. I use a little bit of motion blur every now and then. Um, I think my, one of my most successful photos on Instagram was something I did for mental health um, yep. a little while ago. And it's the most motion blurred photo I've ever done. I think it was 3,000 pixels wow. <laughs> on, on, on Photoshop, but it created that extreme pan. And, yeah. um, and then I just brushed back in the little subject. I was like, oh, everyone will pick, pick at this because you can see how hard I Photoshopped it. Um, and it, it well, not, not that it went viral, but it was just a photo that did really well for me. Yeah. Um, but mental health is something that I, I, if I could talk about it in every post, I would. Um, but I would lose a lot of my following because not, not that no one cares, but it's just not a, it's not a glitzy, glamoury thing to talk about. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. I'm I'm the opposite. I I really enjoy talking about that sort of stuff. Um, not because it's necessarily a pleasant subject, but because it I a I think it's really important that people do talk about it. But b the talking about it increases people's awareness of it, and yep. that awareness is absolutely vital to removing stigmas helping people get out and get help yep. which you know is what you need when you're when you need you know, help when your mental health is not in the best shape if your mental health is not in the best shape then getting help is one of the best things that you can do yeah and and that's that's something that when i've done my mental health posts they're probably ones that i make sure that my engagement is better than any any other post that i've done yeah uh, because i do think with photography and with social media, we have the ability to reach out and touch a few people in a sense of they they may have been sitting there going, oh, well, I don't want to talk about it, but they could see a photo of anything. Mm. And it, it could be just uh, something that opens up their mind. Hey, I'll just take that next step. And it, it probably, I shouldn't say it probably seems strange that I choose photography to do that, but it's just a medium that I have that I find I can express myself um, and just try and help let people know that there's always someone there to talk to. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think that's that, that's a really important message that, you know, photographers, and I know there are some out there that do do it, uh, but, you know, and a lot of people take up photography you know, as a, you know, meditational practice. I mean, you talked a little bit about it this, at the beginning, you know, and it, it is something that can actually help you focus on something other than the problems in your life. Yep. And in doing that, actually, you know, be, being creative and doesn't have to be photography, but being creative is one of the best ways of actually, you know, getting yourself, uh, I guess, out of mindset, you know that that flow state and mindset that you can get into when you when you're being creative, you know, you, you your brain is actually pumping out endorphins, which make you feel good. And you know, if if your 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 brain is doing that, the the chemicals that are there, they're bloody hard to resist. And so, you know, I'd, I'd much rather have them than the uh, the negative ones that uh, make me want to. Uh, stick my head under the pillow uh, all, all day and uh, not get out of bed. Yep, I totally agree. 
anyway, um, with your editing, uh, I guess I'm just interested in what your processing looks like. Are you, you know, straight home with the, the, the card into the computer and get stuck into what you shot that day or do you leave things to marinate for a bit? Um, it depends. It depends on what we've just been shooting and how much time I've got in front of me. Um, coming home from the weekend shoot at sunrise was probably the first time in a while I've come home, card straight in the cam in the computer. I want to I want to see if they look as good on the big screen as they did on the tiny little screen. Yeah. Um, if we come home from a Milky Way shoot, I generally will always import them straight away and then have a nap um, because my brain doesn't function. Um, <laughs> cityscape stuff i find i marinate on them a little bit more okay um, yeah. i think because i'm more critical on how i process my cityscape stuff and i don't know why but my if it's been a moody angry sea and i'm super excited to check my flow that i may have got i'm definitely home in have a look and i've usually got about nineteen thousand dust spots that i need to remove <laughs> um, especially after the weekend getting rained on. Um, I definitely had some rain spots that I needed to clear away. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, uh, a tool in one of my, one of the panels that I use in Photoshop that actually uh, creates these high pass filters. It does, does a couple of other things to, to do it, turns it black and white, gives a high pass filter, really sharpens edges and all the rest of that sort of thing. So it's basically just a little, um, uh, you know, recording that uh whoever built the the, the panel did yep. uh but it it is brilliant at identifying those dust spots and there's there's some photos that i've done that too and you look at it and you go oh, i'm not doing that yeah, <laughs> yeah that just, was there are others where you go yeah all right i know where they are and you go bang hit them get rid of them you know yep uh and i am finding recently that i'll pass photos back and forward from lightroom to photoshop a few times yeah um, and I, I i couldn't tell you why but i've just noticed it especially this afternoon i was going through some stuff um it was some city th city things i love a light flare but i don't like too many uh because okay. sometimes they sometimes they can be too distracting with what's going on um, if I've got too many distractions on a pave, like piece of pavement, I'll, I'll remove a few, put it back in Lightroom, maybe make a couple more adjustments. But as I add a little bit more texture, it could throw some up in the sky that I've missed. So I'll throw them back at Lightroom. And, and I find every time I put it back in Lightroom, or in Photoshop, sorry, I'll see something else. Yeah. Uh, I might do a selective color. Um, change my yellows a little bit and i know that you're not really meant to be passing them backwards and forwards all the time but it, i just found that i'm getting a, a final result that i'm happier with uh, and i'm getting the noise out because i don't mind shooting with iso um, i know a lot of people sometimes get a little bit fussy over iso mm -hmm. um, especially my night stuff if there's particular lights that i'm trying to catch It'll only be a three second exposure, which means I might be up around that five to 6,000 ISO. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you might have to pass it through a few times doing noise corrections to get it right. Even down to um, on Saturday, 
it was like seven o'clock in the morning. I was still shooting 30 second exposures because of how muted the light was from the clouds. Right. But I wanted, I wanted to throw up some faster exposures. So I was sitting at 3000 ISO just so I could, because I like a higher or lower f-stop i i don't mind being around f16 um mm. so i'm i'm i don't mind uh sliding the old iso slider up i'm never at 100 i'm all over the place yeah well and, there's, there's there's certain circumstances where i'll flip flip the iso to auto simply because i couldn't be bothered trying to do the calculation to work out what it should be yep, if yep. i'm after a specific time value if i'm after you know, three seconds or, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is. And yep. I couldn't be bothered trying to work out what the, uh, the, the, the ISO calculation should be. Just flip it to auto and let it do itself, you know, and I, then I, deal with the noise later. <laughs> especially with seascapes. Um, I love, I don't mind birds being in my frame, yeah. but if I've got birds in my frame, then I, I need to make sure they're sharp. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So I'll do the same as long as I've got my aperture, right. Um, my my shutter where i hope it should be i'll throw it auto iso and uh shoot for the breeze hopefully uh, can, i can fix the noise in post yeah absolutely absolutely and sometimes i don't even bother doing that if i know um if i know it's not a portfolio shot that i'm gonna you know put up for for printing um and it's just going on social media i, I sometimes i don't even bother with too much yeah i'll do basic noise reduction but i won't sit there and faff with it for forever to uh to clean it all up yeah otherwise you could probably sometimes you'll be there all year yeah it's just not drive. yeah that, that's the thing it's and that that's the thing it's about managing your time and understanding what what's worth it and what's not you know if it is a portfolio shot you know but you had to go to those extremes of iso to to get it then you know uh, to be honest, I'd probably I'd probably shoot it differently <laughs> <laughs> or at least you put in your description like this is what's happened and this is why I've shot it at these settings. Yeah. Uh, some Sometimes people that do read will read that and go, oh, well, now. Now I understand. Yeah. yeah, one plus two does equal three. It's not window. Yeah. You always get the pixel papers, though, who want to sit there and critique you and go, yeah, you could have used the lower ISO. Well, no, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that with uh, Aperture. Um, yeah, I, get, yeah. I get critiqued all the time because I shoot and um, far too closed up that I could get similar results at F10. Um, and I generally would just say, thanks for your input. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll do me, you do you, we're sweet. Not, nothing nicer than unsolicited feedback, is there? Yes, <laughs> so good. <laughs> do you print much of your work? Um, I'm, I'm guilty of rarely, rarely printing. Um, I was part of a showcase a few years ago, which forced me to print some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, everything I printed, well, I was just like, man, that's really cool. Um, but I, I live in a rental. I don't really have the ability to hang up much of my own work. Sure. Um, I've got a big canvas from when I, my ver very first visit to the sunflower fields. I think it's like 1.2 meter canvas. Nice. Um, and, and it's, what I like about looking at the photo is that if I ever went back out, I'd never take that photo again, but I see the photo and I see where my head was and I love the photo for what it represents. Mm. Uh, I, I have 
been fortunate to sell a few canvases and a few print a uh, few prints to to people. Mostly, the stuff that people are interested from me is Shawncliffe or sunflowers, um, and I think that's just because it's iconic kind of photos. But I definitely, once I've uh, successfully robbed a bank and have my own home and office, uh, I do wish to have a lot more of my work on the walls. Yeah, definitely. I I, I recommend it if you if you can uh, get them on your walls, do it. It's it's well worth it. Because it's definitely, it's not the same as looking at it on your screen. No, uh, the, I won't say the bigger you print it because some things don't need to be big, but, you know, a, a nice big size print, and it doesn't have to be over a metre or anything, you know, it can be, you know, 60 by 40 or something like that, of, yep. of a piece of work on a nice bit of paper that's, you know, good good quality and, you know, you've got a, a printer that knows what he's doing. Uh, I'm yep. not, I'm not somebody that knows what they're doing when printing. So I, I put it out to a, a service, but, you know, to be honest, I, I don't think there's anything more satisfying. You know, you can have all the likes you want on, on uh, social media, but uh, I'd, I'd much rather have, you know, the, the prints that I've got on the wall than, uh, than any of that. Yep. Yeah. That's, if I've ever had, uh, there's a local canvas company that I use. And if I have anyone that wants a canvas, uh, I'll always go and pick it up. Um, yeah. And I think that's just maybe my weird brain, but I'll always walk in the door and the lady will always be like, oh, oh, you took this photo. Yeah. yeah. She's like, this is beautiful. And you kind of like, oh, I can't wait to see how this looks. Um, <laughs> and a nine out of 10 times, I'll pick up the canvas and be, oh, wow, I really did a good job on this photo. Yeah. Um, some of the prints, um, I actually did a really big print of a tiger that I uh, shot recently and mm. it was an AO, a zero, I think yeah, in, wow. on a metallic print. And um, I picked that one up and like, as I was unrolling, I was like, hot oh, damn, like I, I should do this again for me. But then I, again, I don't have the room for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's so many, there are a lot of photos that I would love to print, um, but it would require a home with a lot of walls. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they're really small prints. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of walls, have you ever hit a creative wall? And if so, how did you handle it? I run into them all the time, purely because I think from my life of cooking, where everything you do has to be right, or there's no point doing it. Um, when you cook a meal, if it's not right, it's getting sent back. You haven't done your job properly. So I do find, I think the way my brain's wired, I run into those issues all the time. Um, if I do, I start off social media for a little while um, because I find the more I look at other people's work, I see, oh, well, why can't I do that? Why, mm. why is my brain struggling? So I try and uh, uh, pull away from social media a little bit and I just change my focus. Um, instead of trying to get a postcard photo, I just go out and enjoy the process a little bit more. Um, I will just get a park in the city and just walk around. And nice. um, uh, even if I'll go up to Mullaney, there's a few different trees that are along there and I'm a sucker for a tree. I don't know why, but I am. And, and you just see a tree and be like, oh, that's cool. But then I find myself always looking behind them. There's the mountain ranges. So yeah. I'll jump back in the car and then I'll find myself in the mountains. Um, so I just find if I get stuck, 
I just need to disassociate a little bit um, and try not to put as much pressure on myself as you don't need to come home with an image. Uh, sometimes you just need to get out and see what's in front of you and be re reinvigorated by the amazing things that we're surrounded by. Absolutely. What's the best thing about being a photographer? Capturing moments that no one will get to see again. And, and that's across everything that I do with photography because um, that moment's now gone. Uh, and I was there to see it. Thousands, millions of people never got to see that moment and being able to show someone and have them be, oh, wow, like I missed that. I'm like, yes, you did. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it. It's one of the reasons, uh, I don't know if it's a reason why I do it, it was one of the reasons why I like doing it is that I know that I'm seeing stuff that very few people get to see. I'm, you know, living here in Sydney, you know, there's, what, three or four million people, five million people live here now. Um, and, you know, a good 99.9% .9 of them aren't out of bed before 6.30. Yep. And... A good percentage of them certainly aren't at the beach, though. You know, there's there's some people that are, yep. but most of them aren't going to be seeing what I'm seeing, and you know that that's one of the reasons why I love what I'm I do because no nobody else is going to see it, yep. and nobody else is going to see it in in from exactly the position that I'm in. Exactly, and unless they're able to walk up and find your exact tripod mount and know exactly how high you had your camera. Yep. Um, and I had this conversation with a mate recently about putting in like your XF data in shots. And like, I have some people who will always message me like, oh, what were your settings? Yeah. And I'll always give it to them. But I guess I was it just- It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were like, you know, it doesn't matter unless they get the exactly the same conditions that's it. Yeah. For a seascape photo, you know, you try you try and replicate, you know, that particular wave on that particular rock at from that particular height. If you were really good at, you know, lining things up, I guess you you could do it. But you know, uh, I I challenge anybody to 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 get exactly the same. Yep. Yep. And that, and that's why I like like sometimes I'll throw it in. Um, but then there's other times I've thrown up test shots in, on social media because they actually turned out better than some of the other things that I did. And, yeah, yeah. and, and no one wants to see how, how bad that data is because it's, just, <laughs> it's been some post-processing magic to make them look usable. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're always uh, living other people's highlights whilst uh, trying to uh, hide our blooper reel. Yes. There's plenty of them. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so what's the what's the worst thing about being a photographer? Um for me is the the pressures I put on myself to be constantly to come home with good photos every time I go out. Um yeah. irrespective of what I'm shooting. Um going to a location and kind of getting there going well, you're here, you better take a good photo. And there's also the cost. The, yeah. the cost of things is incredible. Um, you can do it on the cheap, but what I've learned in life is you get what you pay for. Um, yeah. You buy cheap filters, you end up with a cheap finish. Um, you buy cheap computers, 
your colors are wrong unless you can afford to get color um, correction tools and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, it, it, it blows up my anxiety sometimes just because I'll drive two hours to get to a location and I put too much pressure on myself to come away with an image worth the drive. Yeah, yeah. What do you like to do when you're not out shooting? I put on 14th century armour and fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind going to the gym when I've got time. I, I do love trolling my Lightroom catalogue sometimes. I, I I work with a res, uh, cat rescue as well. And funnily enough, animals have changed the way I look at things as well. Okay. They, I think, actually my wife said that they've taught me what empathy and compassion is because I've led a relatively hard life in the sense of I've been surrounded by people who just don't care. And animals definitely have softened my brain and my heart just a little bit. Um, but it, if, I, if I'm not at home with my cats and dogs um, and I'm not out shooting, I definitely, I love my medieval fighting. Um, there's something refreshing about being punched in the face with a shield. Uh, it's uh, and getting to return it. Uh, it's a it's an excellent feeling and one that hopefully one day when I've got the money, I would love to go and fight in Europe, uh, where that's where all of this fighting comes from. Um, and go fight for a day and then take a month off and go explore. Uh, I'd love to go to Scotland. Um, all my bloodlines from my family go back to Scotland. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the things that you took recently. Like there's just so much over there to oh. to see. Um, Faroe Islands, I'd love to go explore them. I worked with a a gentleman many years ago who was in the Navy during the Balkan War and he was telling us stories of um, him growing up at the Falcon Islands. Like it just would be cool to go fight then and then then explore. Nice. Very nice. Probably a unique answer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I, I got to say one one of the one of the more unique ones that I've uh, I've had. <laughs> so, what tips would you have for somebody that's just starting out in landscape photography? Uh, don't get caught up in social media um, because there are people who have been doing it for a long time who are very good at what they do, um, and a lot of young, well, not even youngsters, just a lot of people will post a photo and I'm guilty of this where they'll see a similar photo do well. Yeah. Um, learn your camera, but most importantly, know what you want to do because there's nothing wrong with using shutter priorities and aperture priority if that's what you want to do. Um, if you're happy capturing motion and things like that, manual is amazing, but you don't need to be using it. And so many people get caught up in I saw on the internet, I must be using. Yep. yep, yep. Follow, follow these golden rules for better. Yeah. For <laughs> um, but just enjoy the process. Um, get out and meet people. Um, they're probably words I never thought I'd say in my life because I've been very anti people for most of my life. Um, yep. But the, the more people you meet, um, everyone's got a little bit of knowledge that's actually really useful um we all shoot things differently we all see things differently so it's just recognizing that you're new enjoy the process don't be afraid to make mistakes oh that's brilliant are there any photographers out there you think should be on the podcast 
there's a few that you've already had on, which uh, is excellent for everybody. A good mate of mine who does some amazing drone stuff uh, is LJ Photography or LJ Clicks, I think is his Instagram handle. And a photographer that I followed for many years is uh, Josh Beams. Um, he's a Nikon shooter and I love how he sees things. Um, he definitely has a unique way of shooting and post-processing and he's a pretty top person as well. So that, that'd probably be my top two to recommend. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Lastly, and uh, the most important question that uh, we have facing us, I think, do you like pineapple on pizza? I personally don't like pineapple, period. Um, but I don't care. If people want to eat pizza with pineapple on it, go nuts. Um, I would rather eat a, um, a pizza with anchovies and olives on it. Um, but I know that's not everyone's cup of tea either. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks uh, so much for talking to me uh, tonight, Neil. It's, uh, it's been great getting to know you better and uh, learning a lot more about your, your medieval partic participation. Oh, thanks um, for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks very much. Uh, where can people find your work? Um, I post most of my stuff on my Instagram, which is at neilj.photo. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. Don't forget, it. Don't forget to enter the Landscape Photography World Awards. This competition is open to all photographers worldwide and will feature some absolutely amazing prizes. Uh, you can enter at landscapephotographyworldawards.com. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon.